So good to be with you all. And I start out by just sharing with you, there's a, a famous person that once said, why worry? If you've done the very best you can, worrying won't make it any better. And this is said by the man who created Disneyland, right? None other than Walt Disney. And when I was growing up umpteen years ago, um, we used to be really fortunate. My family was so fortunate because we would actually be able to go to Disneyland almost yearly, if not like every couple of years. Um, and that is because I, my mom worked for the airlines. And so at that time, our whole family could go free. And sometimes we'd even get to go in first class. And so, um, yeah, we would go up to, the, up to California almost annually to see friends and stay with them and then head out to Disneyland. And of course, when all this was happening growing up, I didn't know, I didn't know that how lucky I was, right? You just go, you go, right? You go to the schools your parents picked for you, then you look back later and you're like, wow, my parents really poured into raising me and giving me the best that they could. And so my mom, she worked full time. And if you think about it, like that was in the, from the 60s and 70s, my mom worked full time, which was kind of, unusual too during that time period. Um, from the time I was born, she was amazing. She kept the tidiest house, had a regimented schedule for cleaning. She cooked the best meals, always had salad with our meals, some kind of vegetables. She sewed her own clothes and sometimes, and she sewed my prom dress. And really it did look professional. Um, all of these things she did, she worked full time and she had friends that she socialized with regularly and she raised two daughters and she was married and it wasn't necessarily an easy marriage. And all of this that she did very skillfully, she always found a way to help other people out. So even as busy as she was, she always helped people. So my mom was super giving. And she's been gone now for, what, 30 years? Lost her 30 years ago, and I really miss her. And one thing I look back on when I think about my mom, though, was that with everything she was doing, she was also a worrier. She worried a lot. Given an opportunity that would come to us or to her, she always saw the risks and the downfalls first. And she held a lot of it in. And as a result, she had hypertension. She had migraines. She could be on edge sometimes. And I'm not saying that it was all her because life, I think, raising a family, trying to be the perfect wife and the perfect mom and the perfect woman was about building something that she couldn't get her hands on. And that is security, right? We're always looking for security. It's what makes us worry less, right? Or maybe not. Some of us worry just because it's in our makeup. I think it's in our DNA for some of us. Some of us, we've conditioned ourselves to be in worry mode pretty much 90% of the time. And I admit, I am a worrier. Not a warrior, but a worrier. You could say I'm a worrier warrior. <laughs> I'm really good at it. 
um, so good that I have had to work really hard at trying not to project that onto others. So I ask you this morning, what are you worried about this morning, if you were to think? I find myself constantly worried these days, probably for a lot of the same reasons that all of you are thinking. And then there's the little things. The other morning when I left the house, I had to think after leaving, did I close a window? Because I'm worried about someone breaking in. I thought about a credit card bill. Did I pay it? Because, oh my gosh, otherwise I'm going to be dinged on my credit. Did I do my client's work that I was supposed to do? Did I get it done? Have I forgotten someone? And then there's school. I worry about being able to excel, not just do school, but to excel in school, when really all I have to do is pass. <laughs> Those days of being young and competitive are over. I just need to pass. I'm worried about my son because he's worried about, he's worried about graduating this, fall, this May. Because that's what parents do, right? We worry. We worry about our kids, right? So this morning, as we continue our series on mending life, sowing Jesus' kingdom culture, it's based on a book that um, is written by Sky Jathani. And so um, this is it, in case you're, in case you're curious to, to delve in deeper. But we've been going through this. And Sky has basically taken Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount and shared his view on very practical lessons from the Beatitudes that we, that we, he says, we haven't taken seriously. And he asks, what if we did? This week, we are going to look at what Jesus' instruction is for freedom from fear. And while Mr. Disney may be able to offer us Disneyland, right, to take away some of our, our worries, and worry is a, a form of fear, right? Well, Mr. Disney may give us Disneyland, I find much more comfort in today's scripture passage and Jesus's words. So right now I'm going to call up Jared Oshiro and he is going to read our scripture for this morning from Matthew 6 verses 19 through 34. Good morning everyone. Okay, so for today's reading is from Matthew chapter I mean Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 34. So it starts with, um, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and, one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't 
you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Garrett. So nice to break up the monotony and have someone else up here to read. So thank you. So birds and wildflowers, food and drink. Um, I, I really, you know, I have to say, I really feel like God is present this morning because as I was listening even to John's prayer and Yumiko's prayer, I'm like, wow, they're talking about some really basic things that I think we probably take for granted, but we also worry about taking for granted so okay so it all seems really simple we're believers we're not supposed to worry about these things but as I read this passage there is a lot going on here as Jesus is teaching us his way of dealing with worry and fear when I think about Jesus's day-to-day -day pattern of living he never really seemed to be in a rush. He was deliberate. He was present to people, even took naps from time to time. He sat and shared meals. He told stories. Essentially, you wouldn't know that he had a care in the world as an onlooker, right? Looking in on him. But look at what he carried, the cross the weight of his impending torturous death, the pressures of raising up apostles to continue his teaching, the judgments and the jealousies of people around him who did not understand his kingship because of his humble, unassuming character. I think Jesus worried some, but his demeanor and his ways depict someone who knew how to worry less. He wasn't worryless and emptied of concerns. He just knew how to worry less and manage it best. I want that mindset. Do you? If you're someone who doesn't have a problem with worry, I commend you and I really want to sit and talk to you because I really want to know your secret. <laughs> you may not be an extreme worrier on a scale of one to 10 like I am. I'm getting better though. But there's usually, usually everyone has something, right, that they have struggled with or that they are struggling with. And what we do hope with our worry is um, that in the end, our, our hearts, our minds, our mindset will be transformed. And whatever the outcome is, yeah, we will journey through it with a lot of God's grace and love and mercy along the way. So, I'm going to actually 
go right into point one today. And the first point is Jesus's worry less steward mindset. Number one, recognizes God's kingdom is here already, but not yet. And we already belong. So it recognizes God's kingdom is here already, but not yet. And all, we already belong. And so I'll kind of unpack that a little bit for us. So interestingly, the main point is stated clearly at the end of this passage. Jesus is saying, seek the kingdom of God, which makes it seem like we're seeking something that we've yet to be in. For your information, some refer to the kingdom of God as the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to be using it interchangeably um, this morning. Even more so when we look at verse 19 of this passage, it says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And so this distinction is being made here between earth here, earth, and there, heaven. It sounds like two places, right? Two distinctive places. Yet, Romans 14, 17 tells us that for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's not a place, but it's this posture and demeanor and, and everything else. So it's not about up here, but it's about here. So friends, when we accept Christ into our hearts, we are part of God's kingdom right then and there. And the kingdom of God is now, and we belong to that kingdom. Jesus Christ rules on earth and in heaven. We also experience the blessings and the abundance that flow from being a church, a body of believers living under Christ's rule. And last week, Pastor Yumiko gave us great insight and teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And one of the verses in the prayer is, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's from Matthew 6.10. And while we are still here living our life on earth, waiting for Christ's return, we acknowledge God's kingdom in our lives, which was when Jesus came. He said in Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within you. Unbeknownst to many, Jesus was referring to himself. But he reminded us that for future purposes, when Jesus went to be at the right hand of his father after his resurrection, that we are still waiting for God to return to earth again. And when he does, we as believers will rule and reign with him. Hence, the kingdom of God is now already, but not yet. It's a really, I think it's a complicated concept, um, but I got really excited when, um, when I learned about it a few years back. So it's, it gives me so much hope. <laughs> so I have this picture and it's just showing the popular view, which is kind of what I talked about where most of us think that, um, yeah, we have our earthly life, then we, we die, our physical body dies, and then we go up to heaven, and that's our eternal life, right? We, we talk about it like that all the time. And then we have the biblical view, which is one line that 
is your natural light here, and the heavens are with us all the way through. Okay. So, um, okay. So we are already in the kingdom, just not quite yet. Um, why is this important to Jesus' way of worrying less? Why is it important? Because seeking and choosing into the kingdom of God means doing our best while we're in the kingdom to honor God's ways and the fruit that you experience is God's provision for all of your needs. Now, I've always imagined that heaven above will be perfect. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no evil, right? So when I think about the kingdom here and now, I have a hard time imagining that it is here and now with so much that is wrong with our world today. There's a lot of dissension going on. There's a lot of sickness. There's divisiveness, different kinds of suffering, and there is evil that is present. And to add to that, every year, um, there's, uh, there's a report that comes out, and that is on climate change and what the future or the outcome is for us as, uh, as an Earth together, or free body together. And um, issues regarding the environment have become a huge debate. And there's a huge movement, right, to address some of those concerns. So a couple of years ago, an article was written by the United Nations. and It reported that there's a code red for humanity on climate change, stating that temperatures were likely to increase 1.5 degrees within the next two decades. So increasingly getting hotter and hotter or colder and colder. What that means is more extreme temperatures, drought, flooding, rising sea levels. And we already see this happening at an alarming rate, right, with so much that is going on around us in our world today. And all of this, it is claimed, is because people have not been good stewards of God's creation. With the fall of Adam and Eve came poor choices and the disintegration of God's creation of nature. And if you remember, yeah, God created everything. Everything is his. He gave it to us as a gift to steward well. And this world that we have now that we live in is, the, the state of this world is a result of a lot of the ways that we have acted and made choices. We have cost the kingdom with our indulgences and our ignorance and our selfishness, and of course, actions within the environment cost in other ways, right? As then something happens, it's a disaster, and then our government needs to step in in times of catastrophe to help us to recover and to rebuild, and that cost gets passed on to us, the consumers, and the struggle keeps increasing to make ends meet. It is quite sobering. Well, when this report on climate change was released, a young woman by the name of Stephanie Fu, who is no relation to Nathan Fu, but she spells her name the same way. And I have to tell you, when I was like doing my prep and I found her, I'm like, oh, this is a sign from God. It's gotta be. <laughs> anyway, she was jarred by this news about climate change. Aware, but when she saw this report, she was just really shaken by it. And she was on Twitter, and she watched Twitter just explode with people responding, affected too, with outrage and despair about the state of our environment. 
And what happened after this was really debilitating for Stephanie. So she was a working young woman and, and she's married, but she suffered a breakdown. She actually suffered a breakdown. She would ride the subways of New York to and from work. She would cry and cry and obsess over all of this until finally she did have to quit her job. And this was like PTSD brought on by environmental crisis going on around her. So she would spend her days walking around the streets of New York in the daytime. She wasn't homeless or anything. She was just really lost. And she'd often go to the parks and she would lay down in the grass, just mourning and worrying and, being, and feeling just lost and a lot of sadness. If the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be a balanced and beautiful environment, this kingdom on earth certainly failed. But then again, Jesus promised the kingdom of heaven upon his return was the perfect one, right? So we have to deal with this stuff, this worry now. Even though we're waiting for Jesus to come back, we have to deal with it now because we don't know when that is. So as the days passed, Stephanie would walk aimlessly along sidewalks, in the parks, and she would notice plants, trees, shrubs, grass, flowers, weeds even around her. Plant life that she actually had grown up with as a child in California and had been much less abundant when she came to live in New York City. At least this is what she thought. She became super intrigued as she started to notice these plants and greenery around her. And apparently there's a plant app called Picture This, where you can like look at a plant and take a picture and it'll tell you what it is. So she got this app and she started like taking these pictures and she would figure out what kind of weed am I looking at? And she realized that these so-called weeds were actually edible making sure, of course, that the things that she picked and that she was going to eat was from places that weren't already exposed to lead and carbon, right, from the environment. Um, the treasures, though, that she would find, she found berries, all kinds of berries. She found mushrooms, even pine needles for cookies. Isn't that one interesting? So, so as she began to appreciate the beauty around her, her interest peaked. And she started to read more and study more, and she came across a book by a Native American botanist by the name of Robin Wall Kimmerer, where the author talked about doing more than just appreciating nature or lamenting the environmental damage that's been done and continues to happen. Robin wrote, we have to put our hands in the earth to make ourselves whole again. Even a wounded world is feeding us. Even a wounded world holds us, giving us moments of wonder and joy. I choose joy over despair, not because I have my head in the sand, but because joy is what the earth gives me daily and I must return the gift. Doesn't it sound familiar to how I describe this kingdom of God now? Pour into it now, don't wait. So what this sprouted, no pun intended, and Stephanie was trying to find ways to give back because she was so grateful for the ways in which nature began to mend her soul and awaken her and give her renewed hope 
that the environment wasn't lost yet, and neither was she. There was still much to offer mutually. There was something she could do to manage her worry. There was beauty to be beholden, beholden, beheld. Oh, sorry. But Stephanie just had to find her treasure. She had to find her treasure. Okay, so stay tuned. Point number two, Jesus's worryless steward mindset sees everything through Jesus's heart of generosity. Sees everything, everything through Jesus's heart of generosity. And verse 22 of our scripture passage tells us, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if you um, see, I have this another. I have another diagram to show. Um, and if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, the question is how deep that darkness is. So there's this picture again from um, Sky's book, and it shows an ancient view, the one on the the left, that says your heart determines what you see. Um, and the goal is a heart that is transformed. And so you see with the heart, hopefully the heart of Jesus. And then the modern view has been what you see determines your heart, where the goal is like, let's transform the circumstances to, uh, to kind of fit. And then that will kind of dictate what your heart feels. So our hope is to kind of shift back to the ancient view and see with the heart that Jesus has. So I would say Stephanie moved from the darkness into the light as her heart and being was transformed into seeing the hopelessness of the effects of our lack of care for the environment to being able to appreciate the beauty around her and hope for restoration. She shares that for the longest time she would get up in the morning and she'd look out her window and there had been a tree growing there that went unnoticed by her for years for all the time that she had lived there and she'd look out the window so let me ask you this when you look out your window whatever window that is your home your office or you sit in nature what do you usually notice or see first do you see uh, effects of like maybe graffiti or weeds outside or um, children playing and they're just really loud. You <laughs> wish they'd be quiet. Dog poop in the yard. <laughs> or do you see like, wow, there's a new bud that's coming out on this plant that I don't even know where that plant came from. Or there's Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so walking their dog. Or wow, it is a beautiful day today. There are some, it's, it's an awesome skyline out there. Right? We have staff meeting on Tuesdays and Pat has now been zooming in from his home office and he sits where there's this huge window behind him and I don't know if he notices this, but I always see that beautiful blue sky behind him and I think, wow, that's your view. <laughs> so look closer. What do you see in the details? Isn't it funny how we can look at the same window, we can look out the same window every day and miss so much because we are so consumed with all the things that are going on in our mind. 
work, kids, school, and playtime, paying bills, what to cook for dinner, how you'll fit in time to maybe stop by your parents' house to check on them, homework, a strained relationship, health issues, the list of worries are endless if we allow them to be. Verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And when I read this verse, I say you can substitute any word in there for money, because money might not be your issue. Whom do you serve? How many masters do you have? There's an important distinction to be made here. I hope the master would hopefully be God, but we all probably have a close second, right? Whether it be success or family or other relationships, career, sports. But the goal for us all is one master, and that master is God. So back to Stephanie, because this is a great ending to the story. While she could have sat and continued to wallow in what she couldn't do or be a part of, she began the work of literally putting her hands in the earth to give back, to plant, and to grow, and care for the earth. Stephanie sought others like herself and became a part of a group called, are you ready for this? Super Stewards! <laughs> That's another sign. Oh, I have to use this. <laughs> These were all volunteers in the city of New York who wanted to steward the environment, initially by planting a million trees, but then, after all those trees were planted, dedicated themselves to protect the city's youngest, most vulnerable trees thereafter. And just as destruction of the environment impa impacts the city, okay, with higher cleanup fees and taxes, planting and caring for these trees and allowing them to grow is shown to result in better mental health, lower crime rates, higher property values, and removal of pounds of pollutants, and 10,500 tons of carbon dioxide from the air. Wow. Verse 30 says, And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He knows. So this is Stephanie, our super steward. And she became one of 600 volunteers assigned to various parks. And she is actually one of six that cares for an area of land that's 538 acres in a park. And once a week, she has been taught. She actually um, studied with some people that are, I guess, botanists, and I don't know what else we would call them, but she um, learned how to identify edible cruciferous mustards, this is all foreign language to me, folks. I don't have a green thumb. And jewelweed as a quick remedy for poison ivy rashes. She goes on native plant restoration projects, but is basically free to go wherever she is led on a particular day as a volunteer. And what she's realized is this steward mindset and work 
has actually helped her to combat her anxiety that once burrowed in her mind. She is communing with nature, restoring plants, meeting wonderful people in the process. She has worry-free mornings. She has mended, and she feels a sense of empowerment. She says she no longer feels like she's just living in the city, but has an integral role in it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. God will mend us when we make him our treasure. And then watch, the possibilities are limitless. My last teaching point for today, Jesus' worryless steward mindset invites the Holy Spirit's abundant sharing and caring. Abundant sharing and caring. I am my mother's daughter. I am a worrier too. I am also a daughter of the King. And taking this scripture to heart, I am doing all that I can to live into a steward mindset to help me fight off the worrying, to live Jesus' way of worrying less. How about you? Let's mend together. Philippians 2 verses 5 through 8 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Let's follow Jesus's example of servanthood. In the week ahead, pray and consider what is something that God is leading you to. Could be someone, could be some cause, could be that you have skills, you cook well, and there's some way that you can share that with your community. It could be you're really into the beach and having it look beautiful and so you want to clean up litter and trash. It could be sitting with Kapuna and reading, spending time with them in some way, in any, any way that you feel like you want to pour in and God is calling you to use your skills and gifts that way. Ask God if he's putting that in your heart. Why is it important to follow this leading? And what is God stewarding and transforming in the process? I've shared all the reflection questions this week with you in my sermon this morning. So I really hope that sometime this week you will pause to think about what worries you can release to Jesus. That you'll take time to look out the window and really see what abundance God has laid before you and who is hurting and needs your care. And maybe it's you. Maybe it's you that's hurting and you need some care. And that's okay too. No matter where you are in the process, and I have one more picture from the book. This is you and all those kind of funny little people around that's supposed to be Jesus. <laughs> I didn't draw it. <laughs> but no matter where you are in the process of mending and transforming to have this steward mindset that Jesus modeled for us so well, know that Christ is all around you in the process knows all, sees all, provides all, for all, 
loves all. Let's pray. Father God, Son Jesus, Holy Spirit, our hearts are reassured and grateful that you see us and you never leave nor forsake us. That as the birds graze, you provide food. That as the wildflowers grow, you show us what it means to blossom in your glory. Jesus, as we take on the challenge of worrying less, help us to remember that it is so that we can be more fully present to you, with you, to serve, to be transformed, to be more like you. Help us to embrace that the kingdom of heaven is now and that you have entrusted us as stewards, as good and faithful servants to shine your light, your heart, within and beyond into communities, into the world around us that need your healing, that need your joy, that need your encouragement. We know we have nothing to worry about because you are everywhere we turn, behind us, beneath us, above us, next to us, within us. You never abandon us from the moment that we turn to you. And we know you celebrate anytime someone does turn and ask to be a part of your family. So Lord, we ask now that if there is anyone here this morning who hasn't given their life over to you and desires that, to pray these words along with me wherever they're at, and we as a body of believers join with you in this new birth. Say these words, Father, I ask that you come into my heart now as a sinner, as one who needs forgiveness and grace, I come declaring you as Lord and Savior of my life from this moment forward. Thank you, Jesus, for your death and resurrection, for the promise of eternal life with you. Amen. Jesus, I pray that you will be with us all this week. Help us to support and encourage others to share and care as stewards of your kingdom. Thank you that you always provide generously and that you, Lord, are always enough. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.